Hey, it's Kathy. I just want to let you know that I'm doing a free five-day workshop. It's called the Abundance Activation Challenge, and it starts today. And it's not too late for you to join us. Today is the last day to join. Go to kathyheller.com slash five day to sign up. The pre-party has been happening and it's been such a blast. There's so many high vibe women in there who are ready to call in more abundance. I know that you will love that you showed up for this. I'll be live at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern every day this week, teaching you how to become a master manifester. You are just going to have the best time. If you want to join us, sign up at kathyheller.com slash five day. Hey guys, it's Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I can't believe that it's almost six weeks that we've been in this quarantine. It's just crazy. It's so surreal and uh, such a roller coaster. I hope that you guys are okay. I think about you constantly and I'm so grateful that you show up and listen to this show and that you let me know that it's making a difference in your life. It means the world to me. We're actually going to do something that we've never done before. And it's called STAR, and it stands for subscribe, tag, and review. And I'll tell you real quick what it is. But basically, every single month, we're going to give away a scholarship to my program and some awesome Don't Keep Your Day Job swag. We've made mugs and t-shirts and hoodies, so depending on the month, you'll get something. But full scholarship to one of my programs plus um, some swag. What you have to do is subscribe to the show, which most of you already have done. Uh, go ahead and do an Instagram story and tag a friend. Let people know, like, I love this show and think of one person. Can you think of one person who you think might be inspired by this podcast? Post about the show on Instagram stories and tag that person and then leave us a review. And you'll take a screenshot of the review and you'll email us hello at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com with the subject line star and a screenshot of the review. And we will be choosing two of you every month that do that to give you a scholarship, a full scholarship to one of my programs as well as some swag. So if you feel like this show is making a difference, if you feel like there's one person you know who might benefit from listening to it, subscribe, leave us a review. It costs nothing. The whole thing probably will take you like three or four minutes and it means so much to us. So that's what we're doing. So if you want to be one of our stars this month, then don't forget to tag a friend, share about it in your stories, subscribe and leave us a review and let us know that you did it. Email us a screenshot. Also coming up, we're going to do some incredible training. I'm putting together my next five day free challenge. And you guys know when I do a challenge, I show up and deliver. The next challenge is going to be all about my seven figure framework. Like how did I go from being a songwriter mom three and a half years ago to million dollar launches, making multiple millions every year? doing work that I love, creating an online business. I feel like now more than ever, if I could wave a magic wand and give one thing to other people, it would be teach you how to create a sustainable, purposeful online platform. And so I'm going to be teaching you that. So if you want to get in on when that challenge is going to be coming out, join our newsletter so you get the updates. Go to kathyheller.com slash newsletter and you'll be the first to know 
when that challenge is starting and you'll be in on that. And it's a free challenge, of course. Um, also, when you join the newsletter, you'll be getting lots of goodies from us throughout the week, which I think that you'll find useful and fun. All right, let's get into today's episode. Susie Moore is back. Susie is an author. She's a life coach. She's an advice columnist for Oprah.com. She's one of the most delightful human beings I know. We had her on the show last year. If you haven't heard that episode, you can go check it out. But today she's here to talk about her new book. It's called Stop Checking Your Likes, Shake Off the Need for Approval, and Live an Incredible Life. It's a practical guidebook to stop caring what other people think so that we can live our days with more ease and more joy. Her book is chock full of practices and mindset shifts and life hacks to help us overcome our imposter syndrome so that we can take action and believe that we're worthy and ultimately do what it is that we want to do. And it's a very vulnerable book where she really goes deep and shares some really personal stuff about her life. It's just beautiful. I'm so proud of her. Uh, the book came out last week. Go grab yourself a copy. Without further ado, please welcome the awesome Susie Moore. Susie Moore, I'm so happy that you're back. Thank you for being here. Gabriella, I will take any chance to speak to you. You know I love it. Thank you for having me again on your show. Oh, everybody loves you. And I'm holding the advanced copy right now of your book. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hope everybody runs out and gets it. Just the title, you guys. It's called Stop Checking Your Likes. Oh, doesn't that just say it all? So um, Susie's been here before. We got to talk a little about your own story and how you left your day job and built a beautiful coaching practice and then started doing all these other programs. Mm-hmm. And it's had so many incredible ripple effects. So you guys, you can go back and listen to it. I'll link that first episode here. And we might go back a little bit later in the conversation and talk a little bit about your journey. But for now, the first question I want to ask you is, why this book? Why did you want to write this book? Like, what's it, what's this about? I had this idea for this book, you know, for a long time. And essentially one thing that I've realized personally, and then, you know, working as a coach, working with all sorts of different people on all sorts of different, you know, struggles and challenges in their life. I realized that, you know, the thing that really holds us back the most, the biggest limitation that we have is what other people are going to be thinking, saying, how they're going to be judging us. And as human beings, I feel like no matter what happens, you know, we're strong. Like us human beings, we're resilient and flexible and adaptable, but we know that we can take failure. But what scares us the most isn't even the failures, but what everyone's going to say or think about our failures. And so it's I thought, so fascinating. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I guess I know that because I, you know, I'm susceptible to that too. Mm-hmm. But to really hear you say that and go, whoa, is that really what's running the show a lot of times? That's so sad, you know, like that we would make it because people are so self-involved, like they're not thinking about us for that long. Exactly. You know what I mean? And right? that's the irony. We're, we're preventing ourselves from doing all the things for someone who's not even paying attention. <laughs> like, this, is, this is really, you know, the kind of absurdity of it all. And the reason I called this Stop Checking Your Likes was simply because, you know, social media is it's not the enemy at all. I love social media. But it's just become this very modern, very public measurement that's, you know, we have access to 24-7, which yeah. gives us feedback on how well we're doing, like saying the right thing, wearing the right thing. Right, you know, right. Social distancing the right way right now, you know. Oh, I know. There's so much judgment around that. And every, yeah. there's always a reason for someone to judge you. And then mm-hmm. I remember when Martha Beck was on the show and she said she would meet with people and ask them what they wanted to do or what choice they wanted to make around something. And then they would say, well, I want to do this, but everyone will say that or go. everyone will think this. And then she would say, write down who everyone is. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like three people. 
like <laughs> my sister, my uncle, and the world woman who works next to me. And then you say, you're going to make a decision because of three people, like that's everyone or, or is it really not everyone? So right. take us through, what does this mean? Shaking off the need for approval and live an incredible life. Like, what does that mean to you? How do we actually do that? I would say that when it comes to seeking approval, we tend to give everybody else's you know, metaphorical like button all of the noise, right? We, we always tune into the outer noise of paying attention outside of us. Whereas if we even for a moment allowed our inner like button, our inner approval, our inner opinion and voice to be louder, even just a little bit, like our lives will change a lot. Like, I think it's completely unconscious how we're letting fear, other people, external validation really rule the show. Just like you said around you, what Martha Beck said, oh, I can't do this because of this. And I just felt like it's so necessary and important to even just like raise the awareness of this. Because if you're aware of your thoughts and beliefs and the fact that you can question them, not just always take them as the truth, you're like in the top 10% of people. Most people never do this. They never question their beliefs. They never question the beliefs they inherited from their parents. Not that their parents made a mistake. Their parents had parents. We all inherit many things, but it starts early, right? And then often we just, we don't ever think, how much of it, my life was my idea, right? Is this really a fact or is this like a fiction? You know, what is it that's really true for me? And I think that that's kind of what I wanted to debunk. I mean, it's so true. A lot of times people get to the age of like 46 mm-hmm. and they're walking from their, you know, their car yeah. to the office and they think, who the heck's life is this? What am I even doing? I was sold a bag of lies, like do this, go to this college, get this job. And now I don't know why I just feel so empty. And it's like, well, maybe so many of our choices came from things that are not really ours. They're like passed down. And in the beginning of your book, the first chapter is your parents effed you up. (laughs) And I'm so happy that you started there. I'll tell you why, because so often people are saying like, you want to crush it? And it's like, we're putting the cart before the horse. We're like, you're talking to people who there's a lot of inner child work to be done. Mm -hmm. And if there's no awareness and you don't really go back and look at that stuff, how on earth can you move forward? How can we actually know which things are not ours that maybe came from our childhood and which things are things we want to hold on to? It's such a good question. And it's not parent shaming. Again, like our parents are always just doing their very best for us whatever their capacity is, you know, as a parent. And I think that, you know, personally, I had to lose a lot of beliefs. I come from, you know, a very poor family. We lived in shelters. We lived on welfare. I had a lot of shame around it. You know that I never knew that? Oh, well, it's all in the book. (laughs) Like a lot of different stories around like what I felt really um, very embarrassed by when I was a kid, having a weird family that was full of dysfunction and addiction. I mean, I had to think, you know, as I was getting older, even as a child, though, that, you know, what my parents were saying, I'm like, hmm, how is their life working for them? Even just like, you know, being an observer, kids are smart. They're always watching us. And I feel as if, you know, questioning my beliefs early really, really helped me because I understood that there was going to be a choice and that I had options. And I feel like sometimes we don't always do this. We don't know that this is available to us. And when I work as a coach now with anybody, the way that I work on them with their beliefs that aren't helpful to them is I see what part of their life isn't going well. 
whatever it may be, it's in your relationships or money, like whatever area. And I'll go there. I'll say, okay, what do you believe about that? And let's not just talk surface. Like, what is it you believe about men, for example? Do you think that they can't be trusted? And we'll do an exercise where we actually will go there. And it's like, okay, write down everything I believe about men, everything I believe about money, everything I believe about starting a business. And often we don't even know what we're holding on to until we give it a little bit of space and a spotlight and then we can understand what the complete disconnect is between what it is that we want and what it is that just keeps I mean, keeps arriving or showing up for us. Okay. There's so much to what you just said. Wow. <laughs> uh, first of all, the reason why this book is so powerful is because it, in a way it was a departure. In a way it's perfectly, you know, the next book in the mm-hmm. string of things that you've put out. Mm-hmm. But Susie has been synonymous with helping people to free themselves from a job they don't love, do the work in the world they want to do, be more in alignment with themselves. But I felt like this was so raw in a way like this, Mm -hmm. because the first time you were here Mm -hmm. and I had known your previous book and, or a few of them, and then your courses, this was the first time I like really knew things I had never known. Like Mm -hmm. I had never known any of that stuff. We didn't even talk about that when you were here the first time we talked about where you were when your day job and then you went in that. Mm So thank you for being raw and real and sharing that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not an easy thing to share those things. It's, it's not. not. It's not. Sometimes it's like, well, where's the place? And I feel like the only place sometimes is really to be an author or a creator where you can kind of tell these stories that aren't, you know, like dinner party talk. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it was frightening putting my story. I mean, I put, a st- there's a story in there when I came home from school. My dad was with two prostitutes. I speak about my sister being named after my dad's mistress. I speak about like the over 20 or 30 schools. I don't know exactly how many we went to. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sharing it because I feel if you overcome something or if you've like transcended a problem that somebody else hasn't yet, I mean, they will, whatever you're going through or what you've gone through or what you're about to go through, you're not the first or the last person. So I feel as if it's almost like my obligation to share and then to show what else can be possible after that. And the fact that there are always options, there are always choices and that we have just a lot of power that we just, we abdicate a lot. I'm so blown away by you. You know, before we press record, we were just catching up and talking about what's going on in the state of the world. And we were just saying that we've all survived so much and you are the person I think of who would never fill her schedule just to take on more work either. Like, let it be easy. You're really such a um, example of how to show up and be present and really intentionally create a life. So having been the kind of kid and now you've, you've really created something different, that's an incredible thing to model for people that that's possible. I mean, yes. you're just so the queen of that. So how on earth did you mm-hmm. transcend that environment Mm-hmm. that programming? Yes. I mean, it's a good question and it's a big question because I think that we're always overcoming it, right? It's not like a day arrives yeah. and we're like, I'm good now. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, good to go. yeah. I'm healed now. It's all done. I feel like we relive and we relearn and we get better like, and stronger all the time if we're willing. Because, you know, as our life changes and as we develop, I mean, I thought at 18, I knew everything and I was completely healed of everything. And then I married an addict and got divorced in my early 20s. And I'm like, oh, oh little pattern right there. And uh, I think that because what I experienced growing up was so chaotic, right? The only place where there wasn't chaos was, you know, within me. And I mean, it's true now, right? It's true always. Like there can always be a lot going on, but within you, there is kind of always that, that silence, that choice. If you kind of let it in, if you give it a little bit of space. And 
I mean, your life can go many ways, no matter who your parents are, no matter what your experiences are. But one thing that I believe to be true, and I use this in my coaching a lot, Kathy, is you know how like traditional psychology is like cause and effect, right? So maybe your parents are divorced, they had a horrible divorce, which means you can't have a good marriage or you don't trust, you know, relationships. I like to flip that, right? So to say, okay, maybe you don't have the courage right now to be vulnerable with somebody. So we'll use your parents as the reason. And mm. even though it's a, a good excuse, right? Or a good reason, it's still an excuse. It's still not going to be useful. And the way that I think about it with my life is, well, there were these causes, but the effect isn't going to be related. And if everybody else had that experience the same as me, then we would all have to end up the same. So I just don't believe that the cause has to be the thing. And I just, I don't know, I feel as if this is something that we are allowed to feel disconnected from. We're allowed to understand our options and to not feel victimized by the things that we've been What were some of the things that helped you? Just, was it books? Was there a, yeah. a counselor? Was it taking a trip somewhere? Like what started to shift? Yeah. You started to see new paths and new branches to reach for. Yeah. It's always books, Kathy. This is why like, I'm so obsessed with reading. I still read like a self-help book every few days. I don't know how you guys out there get by <laughs> without it. If, if you guys aren't listening to inspirational podcasts, like books, reading, you know, inspirational blogs, I don't know, Kathy, I don't know how anybody's getting through the week. I, it's like, a lot. Yep. <laughs> it is a lot. And, you know, you can wake up and you can have a bad thought or see some bad information and then that's it, right? The day's like a write-off and then back and follow through to the next day and the next day. So, so true. I started reading self-help books when I was like 15. I read The Magic of Thinking Big. It was the first book I ever read. And I just believed every word. I still do. I have it, my original copy. But I still loved it. It's like a 15-year-old girl. And it started there. And then I realized immediately, like just the choices, a shift in my energy. Like everything just started to feel clearer for me. And I just saw that there was this other world. There was another way of thinking and living. And I just, I carried on like from that day, like 20 years later, still going it's also true, and you're right. I mean, everybody that I speak to who is successful, first of all, nobody's figured it all out, and it, it's a constant process. But also, what you said about reading things and picking up another book, everyone I know, and I'm sure you, you know this too, mm-hmm. everybody has some kind of constant well they keep going back to, to, mm-hmm. to proactively direct their their mind and their attention to things that are uplifting because otherwise your mind, the default is not going to be to just lift you up every day. Your mind is, is it, your mind can, Yeah. It could be a dangerous yeah. place, Kathy, right? Like you have to be really intentional. And I think that we just give this up. Like we give it up so freely. It's like, what am I consuming? Okay. This is how I'm going to feel. It doesn't have to be that way. Like we have so much control. Like even in the situation that we're in right now, in my apartment, it's up to me what I'm doing right now. In my mind, it's up to me what I'm going to be thinking. And there is going to be a time, Kathy, where this is over, right? There's going to be a day and we're going to like run out and hug each other and like go to our cafe and just rejoice. Like that day will come. And when that day does come, I want to be like, yeah, okay, that, that was difficult, but I'm happy with my contribution then. That like literally just brought tears to my eyes because it takes courage to be a positive light. It really does because a lot of times people really want misery because misery loves company. Why is that? We don't want to take accountability. We don't want the responsibility that we can make it better, but we can. I mean, when you were saying that, 
I was thinking about Viktor Frankl, like mm-hmm. standing in a concentration camp mm-hmm. and writing a book. If you guys have not read this book, read it. It's called Man's Search, Search for Meaning. Yeah. And this man, there's nothing that could be worse. Like it was literally a death camp. Mm-hmm. And his takeaway was, oh, but I have my own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like, okay, so that's a total extreme, but it is so true that we do have some choice around what we think. But Susie, this is really where the rubber meets the road because once your thoughts start going, you don't even realize their thoughts. It just feels like the reality. You're swimming in it. It's the glasses in which you're looking through the world. How do we pattern interrupt and start to come home to what feels good, to what's true, to what actually are the, the liberating thoughts? Yes. It, it, I mean, it is a really good question. And I think that we don't even pause for a second and question our thoughts. Like you said, we take them as reality. And then, you know, once a thought comes into our mind, unless it's, I mean, it's either kind of accepted or rejected. And if we're just kind of allowing it, we're accepting it. And then the next thought follows the next thought, like this, this spiral happens. And then it's almost like it's too late after a point, you know, we, we have these somatic symptoms of stress in our body and stress, so you know, weakens our immune system. We're really doing ourselves a huge disservice. And so I always think that, you know, your emotions are data. So if you're feeling bad, right, there's something a little bit iffy with your thinking, right? There's, it's like, what am I believing right now to be true? And so if I feel heavy, despondent, I haven't found a word for it yet, but like a lack of vitality. You know, that when you're just like, mm, oh, yeah, <laughs> but like something, something ain't good here. Because, you know, that, that feeling of vitality, it's the best feeling, right? Yeah. And so I think, okay, what am I believing right now? What thoughts am I having about this? questioning it you know in my book I have this um chapter I speak about you know fact versus fiction and in saying you know really what even like right now in the world okay what are the facts what do we need to know to be informed and socially responsible okay great right what can we do like what are the facts here and then what about like all the other stories around it I mean I think is I mean are these true again like you said the future tripping the stories aren't helpful right they're not helpful Before I had kids, my story was, oh, if I have kids, I won't have a self. And then if I don't have a self, I'll be depressed. And so I have to make a choice between being a mother and having a self. Like that was my story. And I remember being pregnant with my daughter and I'm crying. I remember where I was sitting on my friend's floor next to her couch and I was saying, I'm going to have this baby and I'm not going to have a career. I'm going to have to give up my music. I'm not going to have a self. And she's like, what story is that? That was for me a fact because my mother had told me my whole life when she brushed my hair and served me breakfast, it was, I'm depressed. I chose being a parent and I chose getting married and I should have gone to New York City and auditioned for Broadway. And instead, this is what's left of me. Mm-hmm. so that was what was handed to me you know and that was yeah that was your belief and so like motherhood is servitude right oh, sacrifice. right and instead and this is the truth mm-hmm. no joke with every child I've had my business has like 10x so what the heck are we doing yeah there must be a payoff in holding <laughs> on to these stories yes the payoff is that you don't have to do anything like the payoff is that you get to not really exercise any courage in most cases. It just, keeps, 
it just keeps you sitting on the couch or doing whatever and really not taking the strides forward that require you to feel uncomfortable. And some of us, and this is one thing that I've learned, Kathy, I think that most of us get confidence completely wrong. We have an image of like often a man who's like, yeah, 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 like in a meeting or a networking event or some really dominant dinner party guest who's really charismatic. I mean, those people may be confident, but a confident person is simply willing to experience uncomfortable emotions. That's it. That is all confidence is. And so if you can do something that feels uncomfortable, knowing you might be disliked, knowing you might be rejected, embarrassed, whatever it may be, knowing that it won't kill you and keeping on, that is a confident person. But most of us will do anything. We'll do anything. We We will do anything to avoid pain. Whereas if you can put it into perspective, understand it's just a temporary motion in the body that's going to just move through, then we can become like scarily unstoppable. If you think about what you, like what you could go through, like what you would do, what you'd unleash within yourself if you were willing to feel uncomfortable, it's outstanding. It takes uh, courage to do this work though. I yeah. love your definition that a confident person is someone who's willing to experience uncomfortable emotions. I mean, that's it. And we are so courageous, right? That's the thing is that we forget, we, we know that there's, self-doubt and all of that, but we are also so courageous. So instead of saying, I'm going to wait to not be afraid, it's like, I'm going to bring all this courage with me. And, and, and what I've learned, Susie, I don't know if you feel this way, but I was watching Frozen 2 a few months ago in the theater with my kids when we could still leave the house and do that. Um, and I was taking notes because I get kind of bored just like watching movies. So I was taking notes in the theater and I was like, oh my God, this story, like every other story is basically the hero's journey of exercising courage. And I was like, oh, that's, that's just our whole life is an obstacle course for like <laughs> yeah. our own, because the satisfaction is not even the downloads or the likes or the book that gets published. It's like you had the courage to do the thing. And then that's what you're left holding. Exactly. And yes. then each time you do that, you're like ready for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And the conditions are always in, like, you know, impossible to do the things, right? We can tell ourselves that, but this is really where, you know, this is where we kind of take control, right? And where we kind of live, like sometimes it's like we think trying to get through life, covering our heads and getting by as unscathed as possible is the thing, but that's not the thing, right? That's not the thing, no. No, I I love what Paolo Coelho said. He said that, you know, the ship is safest in port, but that's not what ships are built for. Yeah. Right? It's like, we know that. It's so good. And it's so true. Um, This book is amazing and I want to keep moving through it. So this whole idea in chapter two, you say no one else knows what they're doing either. And see, I think that when we talk like this, people get all amped up and then they think, but she doesn't know me. Like I'm really not eligible to start a blog or raise my hand and write a book or go on Zoom video or do whatever I feel like doing because I'm not Susie and I don't know how to speak eloquently, and I don't have anything to offer. And again, that's a story, right? Mm -hmm. But you really believe it. And so people think those 14 people deserve to do it because they know what they're doing, but I don't. Mm -hmm. And that feels like a really hard story for people to break. It does. And this is actually when the ego is at its most active. It doesn't feel like it, right? It feels like, no, I'm being humble. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just knowing my place. I'm not, I'm not taking up Yeah, take up, yeah, a little spot, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's like, well, then what's your contribution in a lot of cases, right? Isn't that also our obligation to make a contribution in our lifetime? Not, it doesn't have to be impressive by anybody else's standards. You don't have to be, you know, rocking a huge stage with, you know, a song or a great talk. Like, but 
whenever we give, you know, we think everybody else is kind of doing better, like you said, it's a story. But I think that we, again, it means you don't have to take responsibility and do the next scary thing. But I've interviewed some pretty cool people like Chris Jenner and Sarah Blake. I know you've interviewed some incredible people, Kathy, on this podcast, but the most successful people will admit that they are doing their best, right? They're, they're really focused on solving problems and taking action and having this bias towards action. Right. They're not like, yep, yeah, my 10-year plan and this is it and it always works out and you know what, I don't make mistakes. Like, but kind of almost only just making the next right decision. Like kind of knowing that, you know, failure won't kill us. Again, yeah. the definition of confidence. And then kind of being humble enough to just, you know, like make moves, feel resilient, make yeah. moves. No one has this supreme, I know everything. Like, and if they yeah. do, they don't mean it. And I mean, when it comes to, interestingly, I, so I just had an event in New York and one of my uh, attendees, she got a couple of the media uh, speakers who were there wanted to interview her, right? One was for like part of New York Magazine and one was for Business Insider. And That's she amazing. Said, it's amazing. And she's like, oh my God, my imposter syndrome kicked in. Like, am I cool enough to be in the car? Am I cool? Like, and this girl's incredible, <laughs> you know, but I have those feelings. I'm like, oh gosh, can I join this conversation? And the thing is when you join the conversation, make it not about you, you make it about your knowledge, right? Making it about the information that can be of service. Then that's, I think where the calmness comes. Yeah. Right? I mean, when you were talking about the guests that you've had and you were talking about what they feel or what they know or what they know that they don't know, I was thinking, yeah, Barbara Corcoran and Howard Schultz were both on the show. They're both billionaires and they both talked about how they had no clue what they were doing. What they did have though was a tremendous willingness to be uncomfortable. And he grew up in public housing and she grew up on welfare. And the two of them had like, let's just move to the next step, <laughs> whatever that is, let's do this, right? So um, it's exactly right. And I love, love, love how you so clearly turned that around and said, that is your ego. I'm so sorry. Like, are you not here to make a contribution? Like, what are you then here to do? Like, how are you off the hook? That's what I always look at it. Like, just be available to try to solve someone's problem. And then, <laughs> yeah. well, you will, because for the most part, what people really need is they don't need this like magical elixir. They kind of just need someone to make space. That's like 90% of it. Yes. And then you'd be surprised if you listen, the other 10%, you'll probably have one little thing that you can do to make it better. And it goes so far because most people are sitting in the corner going, I'm not available. So yes. there you become like Sarah Blakely, right? All of a sudden, this woman who invented <laughs> like garter belts, like now she's got all the answers. <laughs> Great. Good for her. Let her do it. But so many of us can be doing so much. And I feel too that the next step just keeps either showing up for you if you just keep meeting it halfway with your courage, right? Like that's it. You just like take the next step, take the next step. And I'll say something else too. When it comes to, you know, the person who's like, oh, you know, not me. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. I would also say that that's a drain. No one thinks, okay, I've never met anyone, Kathy, who says, you know what? I'm a bit of a negative person. Often we're not even aware, <laughs> like we're not even aware. Right. And when we're saying, I'm not ready, this and that, this and that, then not only are we kind of hiding, we don't think it's ego because it seems like the opposite, but it is, and it can be hard on others too. So like, if you go easy on yourself, it's generous. It's a generous place to be. It's so beautiful. And it is so true. What do people want to be around? They want to be around somebody who's filling Optimistic. their own cup. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And reverberating something that's positive. Um, yeah. And we have these mirror neurons in our brains. So whoever we're around, we're likely to mimic their mood. Like us human beings are wired for this, for mimicry. 
And so if we're uplifting, you know, if we're generally okay, we don't have to be fake happy or like fake confident if we're not feeling it. But if we're just neutral, even just neutral is good in a lot of cases. We notice too that a lot of successful people, they are very intentional with their friendships and they, they're around people who are similar to them or strong in other areas. And again, this is stuff that we can control. A hundred percent. I have a friend, we talk about that all the time, how like we've really just thinned the herd. Like I spend very little time mm-hmm. locally with friends because there's only a few that I really value their time. Mm-hmm. And then I'm very intentional with how I spend my time and I just kind of curate and thank God. Yeah, that's yeah. a great reason for anyone to start a podcast, by the way. You meet the <laughs> coolest people. I love right. my job. Right. Um, it does not feel like work. One of your chapters is how to always end up on top. Tell us how, how we do that. Yeah, that chapter is all about acknowledging your own strengths. And I can tell you right now, Kathy, we are all grossly overestimating somebody else somehow, right? It's so easy. Like that parent has it figured out, that person with their businesses, you know, 10 years ahead, they have it all figured out. And we focus on other people's strengths versus just acknowledging our own, right? And we can be like, that person's so great with video though, or that person's so good at getting investors, like whatever it may be, it ain't about the other person. (laughs) right I mean if we like shone a light on our strengths right instead of trying to you know work excel which will never happen for somebody like me you know not focusing on our weaker areas and just giving our strengths like all we've got I would say most very successful people only really have one or two strengths but they double down on that right and they take it all the way they get a team where they can they, they they find the right support where they can they ask questions The surefire way to not end up on top is to be focusing on improving your weaknesses all of the time, Mm. right? Or to be focusing on what other people can do that you can't do because there are some things that you can do and do really well. So like, give yourself a chance for that. Like, what are you waiting for? Like Christmas? (laughs) What is the delay? I mean, you've got talents. We all do. It's impossible to be here without one, right? You think about the miracle of life that you are. So just focusing, and I share in the book with how like focusing on my strengths when I moved to New York with no college degree, no connections, not even a working visa yet, how I just use my strengths to get job offers and then leverage them and get a really nice paying job. Again, not focusing on something that I needed to improve, but just working what I had. That was enough. A hundred percent. And when I started in the music business, well, first I got dropped from the label and then I realized that I want to start writing music for film and TV a couple of years later. And I quit my job and I would walk into the studio with people who could run circles around me playing every instrument and I could barely pick out three chords on the piano. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I could sing, I could write melodies and I could write lyrics. But I thought, I could come in with enthusiasm. I could come in with an idea of what kind of song somebody else needs. And I could be the one when we leave, I'm going to go pitch it and this and that. And people would be like, when can I work with you? When can I write with you? And I'm like, whoa, like I, I doubled down on that. And everybody has a value add for somebody else, right? And just enthusiasm alone could be a reason why <laughs> someone wants you in a meeting because you help them generate their own ideas, you know? So it's like, what do you have? All right, well, there's just so much in this book. So I'm going to hop around a little bit a really big one, chapter six, you say, it's okay if people don't like you, which is the most, that also could be the the name of the book because it's so important. We don't really get that. Yes. And look, look, we're (laughs) human. It's nice to be liked, right? It's not not our parents, you know, like being a favorite, going to school, having the teacher like you, getting the boss to like you when you have it. I mean, you know, we're human. You know, off your brain, how it all works, like the amygdala, et cetera. It's, 
in the olden days, if your, if your tribe didn't like you, you'd be left out cold, right? But we, we still have this programming. So I think that it's understanding that if somebody doesn't like you, that it's not only nothing to do with you, um, but it's purely because everyone is confirming their own biases based on the lens that they have. And there are a couple of stories in the book where I kind of make this apparent. Like when I uh, turned 30, I did a blog post that became quite big and it was like lessons learned by age 30. And I asked some of my friends in their 30s, what's the lesson that you've learned? Because I wanted to make it really awesome and diverse. And I had one friend say, um, no carbs after 2 p.m., right? That was her advice. Another person said, get health insurance while you're young and healthy. Another person said something around skin care, so very, very specific. Someone else said, you don't have to have kids if you don't want to. It's, very, it's like a pivotal age. And the first one came from a former fitness model, right? The second one came from this very financially savvy friend that I have who, who is amazing with her money. The third came from a beauty blogger friend. And the fourth came from this awesome, like, rebel, cool woman in her 50s who's never wanted children. And she speaks a lot about that. And it's just like the source of the opinion is always the thing. <laughs> and sometimes the source doesn't deserve to have a place in your life. You know, I mean, when I wrote about being divorced once, I had all these really ugly um, comments. And a lot of them came from men who I think are afraid that their wives will leave them or they won't find love or that, you know, women cheat. And that wasn't even my story at all, right? But I had, and I list them in the book, like the, the ugly comments, because it's nothing to do with me. Like it happens to all of us, especially if we're brave enough to put our work out there. But it's simply not, it's not something that um, I'm in. And I think that, you know, when you make a contribution, this will happen. It's okay to expect it. It's okay to feel some disappointment, but to know that it's just okay. You'll never love it, but you know what? It's still okay. Yeah. And if you can have that perspective, then you'll con like continue to create a lot. Yeah. And I think that's the most magical thing we can do. It is so magical. And um, my friend, Emily McDowell, I don't know if you know Emily, but she's so awesome. So Emily said to me, she's like, there's already people who don't like me. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's already happened. <laughs> like, like <laughs> yeah. it exists. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's so liberating for all of us to know, like already right now, mm -hmm. there are a group of people who've decided yeah. they don't like us. Mm -hmm. and we don't have to worry anymore because it's already been done. It's already right. We're liberated, right? I so think the people who do like you, they just have your attention. Give them a lot of love. Like we get our priorities wrong, right? It's like these people who love you, who want, who like want to connect with you, who want to like share ideas with you. There are loads of them. And so I'd rather go into my DM. I'm not even very good with my DMs, right? Um, but I'd rather go in there, find those people, like expand on that, than like come up with my perfect response to a hate. Yep. It's like, Yep. Nothing. Nothing. I, I find it so fascinating because we have like 3,600 reviews on iTunes, which is awesome because it's Amazing. very, very organic. Mm -hmm. And once in a while, I make the mistake of going to read them. No. And so what of course I do is since 99% of them are positive, I will read the one-star reviews mm -hmm. and I will feel like two inches tall. My husband's like, what are you doing? Like, why do you care about the 82 people in the world who have the nerve to sit down and like, they don't like you. Look at the 3,600 people who said, I love this. It's the, and I'm like, yeah, I don't, it doesn't stick. I and know. I'm such a codependent. So I want everyone <laughs> to like me. 
Well, you, but you know that about yourself, right? And again, it's okay. Like you're human. But I feel yeah. like, again, if, if you don't see it, it can't bother you. And I'm not into like torturing myself with comments. I mean, I used to read them because I sometimes felt that there was some value there. Like if it was constructive, but I realized most of it isn't really constructive. No. Like it, you know, it just isn't. Somebody said on my YouTube, uh, that I like a man. I mean, what's useful in that for me? You know? That <laughs> like, is so ridiculous. That's but, insane. You're yeah. literally one of the most beautiful women. Like that was just a God-given gift. That's oh. so hilarious. But that really, that really shines a light on all of it. So here, here's the question, because this is coming up for people right now, because everyone has probably been enjoying the last 50 minutes and they go, wait, there's a coronavirus. And now I just remembered that and now I'm feeling bad again. So let's bring it home to now. I think a lot of my audience has been wanting to start a side hustle and they've been working so hard, Susie, and they've been yes. doing things and they've been building relationships online and connecting and doing watercolor and building an audience on Instagram. And all of a sudden there's this feeling of like, who am I to build this business? And like, maybe I would be rude if I offered the thing on my Etsy shop and I guess I'm supposed to close down, which means I'm going to go hungry, which means I can't work, which means what do I do? Because I don't want to be rude. I think a lot of people are thinking about this and I think about it from the standpoint of this. I don't want people to not like me. So how do you look at that in this moment? You know, it is difficult because it's serious, right? We're going through a serious time. We don't want to diminish it or like skip over it or, you know, you know, bury our heads in the sand. The one thing, the only one thing that I know is that whatever's happening, right? In any situation, something global like this, something big in your family, something immediate in your life, there's always going to be a non-control and a control area. And when we focus on the non-control, we don't help other people either. Like that's, it's not a generous place to be. And when we focus on what it is that we can do, often like what, what the outcome of that is going to be, is not just good for you, but it's going to be good for others. There are some people who won't like it, right? There are some people who won't buy from you that's okay. There will still be people who need what you have, right? The world doesn't stop. Our desires don't end. And when it comes to money, it's this dynamic law of give and take, you know, it's how it's nature's intelligence. And there's nothing good that happens in any economy when money stops circulating. Like there's nothing good about that. And so I would just focus on what you can control, trust your inner voice with it, with how you talk about it, you know, how exactly you present it. You want, we want to be sensitive so, you know, we have this inner wisdom. So I would like tune in, listen, there's no right or wrong way. And know that the time right now isn't to be hoarding and to be selfish and to be scared because that's going to be, you know, that's already a lot. Peace begins with you, right? So what is it that you can be, you know, taking, thinking and offering and doing it in, in the way that makes the most sense for you? Yeah. When you were here the first time, I want you guys all to go listen to that episode because she said so many beautiful things there as well. And one of the things that you say is, you know, I mentioned it before, just let it be easy and that, and that the universe wants it to be easy for you. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's the story we tell ourselves. I think that we equate, if I'm going to make money, I'm going to work my butt off and sacrifice my well-being or sacrifice something I really want and or be a jerk all of a sudden because I have a big ego with a big bank account. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to have a business I love, it's never this story of like, maybe it's meant to be beautiful and magical and easy. Share with us in this moment when we need it so badly what does it possibly look like now, given where we are, mm-hmm. to live an incredible life? Mm. I think that we pay attention, right? So we tune in, we listen, and 
we understand that, you know, fear is real, anxiety is real, panic is real. We don't know what's happening, right? We don't know what to expect or what is going to unfold. But knowing that the most generous way to make a contribution is going to be is through maybe having something else, like offering something else, not adding to something that, you know, will make other people feel more of those emotions. Maybe fostering something else, even if it feels uncomfortable or too early or it feels maybe impossible, like just kind of being open to it. I just, I've, I always believe that anything that's soothing or just that makes us feel good is stronger, like it's louder <sighs> than a lot else. And so like, where could we maybe join kind of that frequency, even just a little bit? It's so gorgeous. I love thinking that. And it's so true. Things that feel soothing. Mm -hmm. There's something there that's stronger. As we're summing up, what do you want people to walk away with when they read this book? What are you hoping is what gets metabolized and what people then do with that? I think the one message, if I could, you know, just mention the foundational, what I I guess underpins the entire book and the message is that your worthiness as a human is undeletable. Like it's, you didn't ask to be here. Like it's a miracle that you're here. All the things that had to happen, your parents meeting, their parents meeting, the gift of life. I mean, you are here at the perfect time. And there's a joke that I say in the book. It's like, if you, you know, went hiking or skiing with a group of people and you went missing, would they be like, wait, should we rescue her? Like, is she verified on Instagram? <laughs> like, oh is my she, God. <laughs> you know, wait, how much money does she have? What does she look like? No, it's none of those things. Our worthiness is just permanent. It's fixed. There's nothing we can do about it. And I think if we can just accept that or just allow that to be the possibility of our life and the foundation of our life, then everything just becomes a lot easier. That totally made me cry. That's so beautiful. And I was just watching Toy Story 4 with my kids. And in every Toy Story, they go save one of the toys. Like it's always like this one little toy, something happens or it gets put in the donate bucket and then they like all go fight for it. And it's like, I said to my daughter watching Toy Story, she's three, I go, why is Woody doing that? Why would he do that? He's risking his life. And she's like, because it's Forky, gotta get it back, you know? He's worthy little spork that was trash and we forget that what you just said would they would they stop and say is she verified on instagram (laughs) yeah because that's in this absurd way how we feel about ourselves and our worthiness sometimes so doesn't that just bring the whole thing home you are such a gem you gave us such a dose of sunshine and just what a sweet healing episode Because especially now, to think about what you just said, you are worthy, your worthiness is permanent, and you're in this time, right? So you are needed for this. Like this was something Mm -hmm. that we knew we needed you for, right? Mm -hmm. So see this as like how, I mean, that just brought so much good. And um, so let us know, where can we buy the book? Where can we follow you? Where can we find you and all the things that you do? Yes, yeah, so everywhere books are sold, you can also go to stopcheckingyourlikes.com for a special book bonus for the end of April. And just my site is suzy-more.com. You're awesome. Thank you so much. We'll put all the links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Kathy. 
Susie's the best. I love talking with her. Here are the takeaways. Number one, there will always be a lot going on, but within you, there is always that silence, that choice if you let it in and give it space. Number two, there will be a time when this is over. When that day comes, we'll rejoice, we'll hug, we'll look back and say, I'm happy with what I contributed then. Number three, confidence is the willingness to experience uncomfortable emotions. Number four, be humble enough to make moves and be resilient. No one knows everything. Number five, the next step will show up for you if you keep meeting it halfway with your courage. Number six, it's generous to be easy on yourself. Number seven, don't focus on improving your weaknesses. Double down on your strengths. Number eight, you have talent. It's impossible to be here without, and the fact that you exist is a miracle. And number nine, focus on what you can control. Trust your inner voice and wisdom. Peace begins with you. All right, now let's celebrate your wins. Melissa posted in our Facebook group and she said, I want to share a win with all of you. About a month ago, I asked you all for help to decide which art prints I should put into my shop to start with. Well, I finally opened my shop one week ago and I've already had three sales. I know that's a small number in comparison to many of you, but it's so big for me. I honestly thought it would take months before anyone would even give my art a chance, but people are already showing me that my art has value. I'm incredibly grateful to Kathy for urging us to do all these things messy and imperfect because that is exactly what I did. I opened my Etsy shop with just five prints because that's all I could afford. I now have just two left and will be adding a few more. I have been on cloud nine this whole week. Many of you don't know this, but about four years ago, my family and I were homeless. We lived in our car in a friend's garage during the winter and in an actual homeless shelter. It was rock bottom for us to say the least. I always told myself that we would prevail and we have come a long way since then. And now that people are actually buying my art, I feel even more victorious. I'm telling you that the smallest of wins can change your whole perspective and possibly your whole life. Started from the bottom and now I'm here working my way up. Melissa, you're incredible. Being able to summon the courage and the hope to say I'm at rock bottom, but I'm going to climb back up. That is a Herculean feat. And now you're showing up and serving through your art, which is such a beautiful journey. You should be so, so proud of yourself. What a gift. I know this is just the beginning and... I'm just so impressed and I'm so excited about all the magic that you're creating for yourself and your family. Everyone go check out Melissa's beautiful artwork. Her Etsy shop is called The Sleepy Wildflower. Okay, here's the next win. Emily said, this week has been a win for me. I finished a painting today and I'm very proud of it. I have painted people in the past, but purely from what I see, and this is a lot of creativity balled up into a 25-hour painting. That's a personal win. Plus, I'm editing the speed video of me painting this post on YouTube. As for my art side hustle win, someone purchased a commissioned portrait and I'm about 75% done with it already. Emily, you should be so excited. 25 hours of painting takes a ton of resilience. Those are both awesome wins and you are so talented. I saw your work and it's gorgeous. This just goes to show that even in this time, people are still paying for beautiful things. Sure, it's not a cure to the COVID-19, but your gifts and your creations are essential for somebody else. We need art. We need you. You guys go give Emily some love. Her website is emilymacart.com. If you have a win, let's celebrate it with you. Post it in the Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group or DM me on Instagram. I'm at Kathy.Heller, Kathy's with a C. There's no words that can share with you how grateful I am that you're here, that you show up, that you listen to this show. It just means so much. I don't have the words. We have some awesome episodes coming up. 
And we're actually going to start doing some bonus episodes. We're going to add a third episode every week for just a few weeks to see if you guys like it. It's going to be me and my husband, Lowell. And um, it's going to be us talking about our real life, our real problems, our real joys, our real low points, our fertility journey, our marriage, kids, work balance, everything. So subscribe to the show so you make sure that you get in on that. And I'm curious if this podcast is making a difference for you. If the answer is yes, then I would love for you to share this with another person to post about the show in your Instagram stories and tag me and tag a friend. I'll repost it. And also, if you want to be in on this star giveaway every single month, we're going to give away two scholarships and some swag to two of you. And the way you get in on that is through star. You subscribe to the show. That's S. You tag a friend. That's T. And the A is for and, and R is you leave a review. So go ahead and subscribe to the show. Do an Instagram story and tag a friend. Let them know, hey, I think that you would love this podcast. And then leave us a review, take a screenshot and email that to us with the subject line star. And you can email us hello at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com. We'll pick two of you at the end of every month. We will announce it on the show and we will let you know you'll be getting a scholarship, full scholarship to one of my programs, plus some swag. Go ahead and do that. It takes a few minutes. It's totally free to do it. And you'll be helping us so much. You have no idea what it means to me when you email us those screenshots of your reviews and to see you uh, tagging your friends and Instagram stories. And if you do it and you tag me as well, I will reshare it. And it just lights me up so much. You have no idea. I'll leave you with a song of mine. Stay safe. I'll talk to you on Monday. When you just can't sleep When you're counting sheep I'll be here for you I'll be here for you When you need to talk Take a good long walk I'll be here for you I'll be here for you Of all the people
when you're counting 